Right. Well, man, welcome to Journey Church. We're glad you guys are here today. Man, I don't know about you guys, but I get nervous every time I walk out here because I know fear. And I know what it means to be dealing with fear and to wrestle with fear and to work through fear. Because one of my greatest fears in life is to speak in front of people. Isn't that crazy? Isn't that, that's kind of like God, isn't it? God's got the last laugh on that. But I remember dealing with that, man. Uh, God, you know, I'll, I'll do anything. I'll do whatever you want me to do. I'm just not going to get up in front of people. I'm not going to speak. I'm not going to lead worship. And I told him all these things I was not going to do, but yet it's what I do. It's what I was called to do. It's what I was equipped to do. It's what I was prepared to do. And so the cool thing is, is don't ever tell God what he can and can't do. He's God. I'm not, right? He's God and you're not. And so we, we are starting a new series today called No Fear. And, and what we're going to do is we're going to kind of dig into, you know, what we're to be afraid of and what we're not to be afraid of, what should be a fear and what shouldn't be a fear. So if you've got your outlines, kind of follow along. You can kind of track along with me. There's a passage here in Proverbs that says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. In some translations it says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. And so the thing is, is, you know, the very beginning. So I thought, hey, where do we start? We start with the fear of the Lord. So if we're going to start this series, let's start it right. Let's start it with the fear of the Lord. And so Scripture is, is pretty clear there that, hey, that's where it all begins. That's where the wisdom begins. And, man, we need some wisdom in this day and age. Would you agree? I mean, there's, there's a lot of people that are educated, but, man, they, are not, they don't have a lot of wisdom. And, and so the thing is, is we want wisdom to be something that we embrace as the church, as individuals, and we go, you know what, God, help us to be wise. We want to make the wise choice. We want to live a, a, a life that is wise. And so that passage there speaks about the fear of the Lord. And so here's the thing is I have wrestled with a lot of different fears, and I continually have to work through some of those, those uh, matches on a regular basis. Like I said, the fear of public speaking is something that I have to work through, something that I have to deal with on a regular basis. The other is rejection. What if I teach something that people don't like? What if they don't like my teaching? What if they, what if they don't like me? And so that's something you have to work through, the fear of failure. I remember whenever we planted Journey Church, Almost 14 years ago, I kept hearing over and over and over, hey, 80% of church plants fail. 80%. And I'm thinking, man, I don't want to be that statistic. I don't want to be the one that is a failure. Hey, he tried to plant a church and just didn't work out, or he wasn't a good enough leader or whatever. And so here's the thing is, there's times that we have to work through those fears and those, those things that kind of hold us in check. Some of you may be in here today, you live in fear of death. As a believer, really, that shouldn't be anything that kind of holds, holds power in our life. Because we know to be alive is one thing, man, but to be with Christ is another, and even better. Paul spoke of that. And so the thing is, is we have fears, and I don't know what your fears might be. You know, maybe you've got some uh, fear, maybe it's a spider. You know, I saw the spider in the video. Maybe it's, you know, you've got arachnophobia or whatever it might be. But the thing is, is we often live in these fears and we let them control us, but there's really only one fear that we're commanded to have. The fear of God is the only fear we are commanded to have. It's the only fear that we're commanded to have, we're instructed to have, we're told to have, is to fear the Lord. And listen, we live in a culture and a time right now where the teaching you know, has kind of become a little bit lopsided. And so what happens is too often now we hear all about the love of God and the grace of God, but we don't ever hear about the, 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 the justice of God and the fear of God. And so what happens is we, we've kind of swung it way over here and it's one way and it's all about loving God. And we've, we've kind, of, it, kind of, if you would, brought God down to a level that we feel like, you know, that He's on our level. 
And we, you know, we're kind of buddies with God. We're homies with God. We're friends with God. You know, we just kind of hang out together. You know, me and God got a little hangout time today, you know, in the tree stand or on the bass boat or on the back porch or at the beach. And, you know, it's just kind of me and God kind of hanging out. And, and it's almost become that's the way it's supposed to be. And we forgot about what it means to have a fear of God and a fear of who He is and the power that He has. The all-knowing, all-powerful God wants to meet with me. Now, that's amazing. That is life-changing. But He's still God. And I feel like too often what we do is we've brought Him down to being one of our buddies. And so the fear of God is the only fear we are commanded to have. It says the fear of God is one of the most misunderstood concepts in the Bible. And what we do is we sit there and we go, well, well Mike, you know, Jesus is loving. And, you know, you're thinking about the, the fear of the Lord that's in the Old Testament. You know, Jesus came and He was loving. He was one of us. He kind of spent time with the disciples. And, you know, and, and man, He showed love. But here's the thing is the disciples were in the boat. And there's this, there's this storm that is happening. And Jesus, they wake Him up and Jesus literally steals the, the winds and the wave. And it says that the disciples were afraid. They were in fear of Him. Who is this that commands the waves and commands the wind? You know, we, we think about just, just the name Jesus. We just got through singing about it, didn't we? Man, there's power in the name of Jesus. There's power to heal. There's power to save. There's power in the name of Jesus. We just got through singing back to Him. Man, you literally make darkness tremble. But yet some of us will take His name in vain. Something happens to Jesus, man. Like, are, are you calling on Him? Or are you just using it instead of a cuss word? You know, we get to the point where there's not any respect, any honor for the name of Jesus. We throw it around like it's just part of a slang. And so the thing is, is there, the Bible teaches us, hey, listen, don't take His name in vain. Don't take the Lord's name in vain. We'll say cuss words that have His name involved. And there was a time whenever there was a fear of that. But we've become so comfortable with who Jesus is and so comfortable with who God is that there's no longer that fear, it seems. And, and God's Word is clear. It says 27 times to fear the Lord. That there should be a little bit of fear and trembling when we approach who He is. It says in our culture, it seems that we fear everything but God and we shouldn't fear anything but God. We're afraid of what people might think. We're afraid of offending someone. It's got to be politically correct. You know, we're afraid that we may not have what everybody else has. We're afraid of things like that. And so we're afraid of being rejected by society. We're afraid of not being popular. And so here's the thing. We're afraid of everything but God. And so God is like, you know what? We're not really worried about God. He loves me. He'll accept me. And so I'm, I'm okay there. And so too often it looks like we're afraid of everything but Him. We're afraid of not measuring up in someone's eyes. Not really worried about God, but you know what? I want my dad to be proud. I want my neighbors to see how good I'm doing. I want people to know that I'm successful. And so too often, our, the only thing we fear is everything that doesn't matter instead of the one thing that does matter. You know, I think about electricity. You know, talking about being misunderstood. I don't understand electricity completely. Now, you can get around an electrician, and they start talking about ohms and watts and all that kind of stuff. And, I, and I'm one of those where, I, hey, I have a, a healthy respect for electricity. I don't mess with it. You know, I, I just don't mess with it. Unless it's battery operated, I might give that a shot. But I'm just telling you, I don't mess with electricity. And you get around someone like Mr. Clarence and some of these guys around here who know it all about when it comes to electricity. They just start talking about it. And I'm like, hey, listen, I don't really care how it works. You know, if you want to help me, that's fine. Or I can get somebody else to help me, but I'm not doing it. I really don't want to touch it. 
Because, you know, I just I see too many accidents, you know. And, and it's one of those things that I, it has great power. Now, I like electricity. I like it when the air conditioner works, don't y'all? I like it when the heater works, whenever it's cold, don't y'all? I, and I like it when the lights come on. And so I like it when stuff works. Actually, it's, I get really irritated when things don't work like they're supposed to. And so the thing is, is, you know, I'm sitting there going, all right, if it's broke, then let's get rid of it. Let's throw it away. What, but, hey, if it can be fixed, let's fix it. But let's not keep doing the same thing and going, hey, well, it doesn't work. Well, let's get it fixed. And so electricity is that way. You know, I respect it. You know, I like it. Uh, but, but, man, you know, I, you know I'm, I'm not going to play with it either. And so it says that there has been a lopsided teaching in our, in our churches with a lack of teaching on the fear of God. There's not a whole lot of teaching. This is not the Scripture verses you go home and memorize, you know, that we go home and talk about the fear of the Lord. And, and here's the, uh, the other thing. There's not a whole lot of teaching out there because it's not popular. And we don't want to offend anybody. You know, we don't want anybody to go away going, well, man, he's preaching fire and brimstone, and, man, he's preaching about the wrath of God, and he's preaching about the fear of God. You know, I want something to make me feel good. I want a warm fuzzy. That's kind of the mentality almost. And, and so you don't see a whole lot of teaching on it. And our churches have become a little bit lopsided in that it's all about the love and grace. And too often what we do is we go, I'm going to go way over here to grace and I'm going to live like hell because God loves me and He'll forgive me and I can do whatever I want to. And I'm just telling you, there's churches out there that that's the mentality. You can do whatever you want to do because Jesus is going to forgive you. But there's also the rest of the teaching of God's Word where it says to honor Him, to line up with His Word. The world will know that we're His followers by the fact that we follow His teaching. Not that we do whatever we want to do. Should I sin so that grace may abound? By no means is what Paul says. So we don't just sin so that grace can abound. We're thankful for grace. We're thankful for mercy. But, man, we're told to live according to the Scripture and according to the teaching. It says there is a balance between the fear of God and the love of God. So there's a healthy balance there. There's a healthy balance. I think back to my, my granddaddy. Uh, my granddaddy on my mom's side we called him granny on my dad's side he was pawpaw and so pawpaw got killed whenever i was like three years old he was i've told you all before he was in an accident a car accident and broke his neck so he only lived about 30 days after the accident and he died the night that hurricane camille was hitting and uh and so i never got to really spend time with him but my granddaddy was his name was tj sullivan and so mr sullivan you know uh kind of that's what he was known as mr sullivan and so he he was he just uh he was a good businessman uh, he managed things well, and he just kind of carried himself a, a certain way. And so, you know, people had respect for him and, and reverence for him, if you would, or honored him. And so even in the church, you know, he was always helping out. He was a leader. And, uh, and so he was just one of those guys that, that people just kind of respected him. And I did as his grandchild. And so I would go and stay with my, grand, my, my granddaddy, and, and uh, I would go fishing in a neighbor's pond and stuff like that, and I would spend the weekend with him. And it was always fun, and I loved him, and he loved me, but it was a... It was a little bit different because if he said something a certain way, I was like, yes, sir. I mean, I, I respected him, I, you know, but I, I had a little bit of fear of him. You know, now, he never spanked me. He never did any of that. But the thing is, it's just how he carried himself. It was a little bit different. Now, was he loving? Yes. Was he encouraging? Yes. But the thing is, is what we do is we don't always kind of see that in God. So there should be a healthy balance. So let's, let's look at this passage here. The Lord merely spoke, and the heavens were created. He breathed the word, and all the stars were born. He assigned the sea its boundaries and locked the oceans in vast reservoirs. Let the whole world fear the Lord, and let everyone stand in awe of Him. For when He spoke, the world began. It appeared at His command. 
Think about that. We were singing about the power of, of Jesus' name. And, you know, and here, here's the thing. Jesus is, the fle- he, he is literally God in flesh. And so the power of God was able to speak. It says that He breathed the Word and the sun was made. That's a star. He breathed the Word and a sun was made that keeps us warm, that lights our day, that our planet revolves around. And so the very God that literally breathed the sun into existence, that literally spoke all of the universe into existence, wants a relationship with me. That's mind-boggling. But I can't get past the fact that, you know what, He breathed the sun into existence. His words are so powerful. And so why would I not fear Him? Why would I not have a healthy fear of who God is? And, and, and so whenever I look at that passage and I go, man, He, he spoke everything in, into existence. It says, let the whole world fear the Lord. And so we're commanded to fear the Lord. I, I remember hearing a story growing up uh, whenever I was a, in, in student ministry, or I was actually involved in the student ministry. I was a college student. And I remember our youth pastor telling a story about a guy who, they were out on a boat, and anyway, this guy was sharing with him, and he, anyway, he began to make a mockery of God, and the boat was not working right, so he gets up on the bow of the boat, and he begins to curse God, and, and just really, just kind of cuss him out, if you would, and about the time, boom, lightning struck him in the head. And I remember thinking, dude, man, I wouldn't be doing that. And so, the, the thing is, is, you know, we see Hollywood puts out a movie called Forrest Gump, and you got Lieutenant Dan up there swinging on a, on a rope, cussing God, doing everything, you know. And, and we, like, hey, that's, a, that's kind of a cool scene. He, he got in an argument with God, and he found peace with God. And I'm thinking, dude, I would not be doing that. So, for me, there was always a, a little bit of a healthy fear of God. I, I remember a, a friend of mine was telling me about, you know, he had gotten saved. Let me tell you, this guy got saved, man, completely. And he wanted to see other people saved completely. When I say completely, I mean it changed his life. It, it radically changed his life. And so his, his brother-in-law was the one that had led him to the Lord. And so they had an uncle that was in the, in the hospital. And so they asked you know, each other, hey, listen, let's go share with our uncle. And so they went to the hospital to share with their uncle. And, and so anyway, they've got the Bible and they're reading some verses and say, Uncle, Uncle Bill, you know, this is what the Bible says. He goes, you can wipe your butt with that Bible. And that guy died of locked up bowels. And that's a true story. I'm sitting there thinking, man, I wouldn't be saying anything like that. That guy died of locked up bowels, sitting there saying, hey, man, you can use that like toilet paper. There was no respect. There was no honor. There was no fear of the Lord. You know, and, and so whenever I read that passage, the Lord merely spoke and the heavens were created. He breathed the word and all the stars were born. He assigned the seas its boundaries and locked the oceans in vast reservoirs. He, he tells the sea you can only come to here. I love that. Let the whole world fear the Lord and let everyone stand in awe of Him. For when He spoke, the world began and it appeared at His command. The disciples feared the power that Jesus had. You know, I think about John. John, who is the apostle. You know, John is at the, he's at the cross. Because a lot of times, like I said, we, we look back at the Old Testament and say, well, Mike, that's Old Testament, New Testament. Well, here's the thing. In the New Testament, we see John, who's one of the followers of Christ, and he's standing at the cross as Jesus is hanging on the cross as the ultimate sacrifice, bleeding out his blood, bleeding out his blood for you and for me, for the sins that I've committed and the sins that you've committed. And so John is standing there, 
And it's some of the last words that Jesus says. And He tells John, He says, Hey, listen, take care of my mother. And so John sees the grace of Jesus Christ. He sees the mercy. He sees the sacrifice. He sees the bleeding. And He sees them take Him down off that cross and lay Him in a buried tomb or a borrowed tomb. And John even talks about how He was the disciple whom Jesus loved. So he loved Jesus. And so John would literally run there that morning and get there. The tomb would be empty. And then he would see Jesus. Jesus would appear to them. And so he knew the power of the resurrection. And so then Jesus would ascend. So he's there. He sees all this. And so we get to Revelation where John has been put on the island of Patmos. And and so as he's there, Jesus appears to him and he says that, in, in Revelation 1, 17, it says that he falls as though dead at the feet of Jesus. Out of what? Out of reverent fear. He says he falls as dead at his feet and Jesus stands him up. And so what I'm saying is healthy fear of God is something that is needed, something we need to be reminded of, and something that should motivate us. So what is the fear of God? Let's look at this. The fear of God is to fear, to fear God is to respect Him. It's to respect Him. You know, I think back to my grandfather. I had great respect for my grandfather. People in the business community had great respect for him. And so oftentimes we get to the point of where there's not a respect for God. There's not a respect for the teaching of God's Word. There's not a respect for things. You know, if, if we respected people, we would give them their attention. We would give them the time that is needed. You know, one of the things that, that blows my mind, man, is people show up late for church every Sunday. You know, and I, and I know that sounds terrible, and, you know, but here's the thing is, man, you're getting to meet with the God of the universe. I mean, you're getting to corporately get to come together and gather together and sing songs back to Him. So there's a respect, like, hey, I want to respect your time. I want to honor your time. And so to fear God is to respect Him. To fear God is to show reverence. To show reverence. Reverence is, a, is an appreciation. It's, a, it's, a, it's almost like a wow factor, if you will. And so whenever we you know, have certain moments, maybe we are to realize, you know what, this is a reverent moment. And I think, I think America has forgotten what a reverent moment is. There are certain things that we respect and we revere and we hold them in, 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 in special esteem, if you will. Yeah, you know, I think about some of our veterans and the, the fact that they have, they have fought in wars, they have put their life on the line, that, man, we... We, we, we need to, we need to you know, have some reverence for them. I think about those who have died, who laid their life down so that we could gather together as the body of Christ in here today and, and be able to, to worship in freedom. Because our freedom in here did not come freely. It was paid with the blood of men and women who laid down their life. And so whenever we have a memorial time or we remember them, we ought to have a little bit of reverence for what they did. And so we do that on a human standpoint. Why not with God? So God... Man, God, we want to be reverent towards you, honor you, glorify who you are. I mean, you spoke everything into existence. God, we want to honor you. And to fear God is to be in awe. It says it up there in that passage. And let everyone stand in awe of him. You know, we throw the word around awesome. You know, I, I use awesome as much as anybody. But whenever we gather around in here sometimes and we, we're in worship, too often what we're doing is we're looking at our phone and going, like, I don't really, you know, see what's going on. Hey, who's texting me? Hey, what did somebody put on Facebook? And so we're not really in awe of God. We're just kind of, we're kind of going through the motions here. You know, we show up late. You know, then we're, we're thinking, hey, what have I got to do today? What all's on my agenda? You know, the songs are going on. The teaching's going on. And sometimes we're somewhere else. We're a million miles away. 
We're not in awe of who God is. We're just kind of going through the motions. Hey, this is a church thing, doing a social check mark, got that done. But the Bible teaches us that we ought to be in awe. And that when we gather around and we sing songs that says, Jesus, you literally make darkness tremble. That, man, it ought to make us tremble a little bit. We go, man, that's the authority, that's the power that we have living within us. And, man, we ought to get excited about, God, I'm blown away that you're that kind of God, but you care about how I think. You care about how I treat people. You care about how I speak. You care about whether or not I speak blessings or I speak curses over people. God, you care about what I'm thinking about right now. God, I, I'm, I'm amazed that this is a privilege. God, I want to see it as a privilege that you love me so much, you care about me so much that you would send your son Jesus from heaven to here to go and die on a cross so that I could be in a right relationship with you. God, what a privilege. What a privilege to gather as the body of Christ. What a privilege to have freedom to be able to worship this way. There are people in other parts of the world that put their life on the line to gather. And we just kind of show up late and kind of flippantly do whatever. What about the fear of God? To be in awe. God, you're so awesome. We're not just throwing that around, but God, you are amazing. To fear God is to honor Him. That we honor Him by being here. We honor Him by getting up and spending time in His Word. We honor Him by choosing to do what He would lead us to do. We honor Him. So when we talk about fearing God, we want to respect Him. We want to show reverence to Him. We want to be in awe of who He is. And we want to honor Him. Honor Him. You know, the Bible teaches over and over that how we live brings honor to His name. How we live is part of our witness to the world. He gave us a mission. It's called the Great Commission. We're to love people. We're to live out our faith in such a way that it brings glory and honor to Him. How we live brings honor to Him. What's wrong with our, our churches and our country our families, this statement here, we have lost the fear of God. Our fear is on not getting what everybody else has got. Our fear is on not being accepted by whoever. Our fear is on whatever. We may not measure up, like I said, to what our dad thought or our mom thought. We may not be as good as somebody else. We may not get a trophy. Whatever it might be, those become our fear rather than the fear of God. And so our country has lost a fear. We have people that we have voted into positions who have no fear of God or His Word or the teachings. And so here's the thing. You know, in just a few weeks, we've got a, an election coming up. We need to vote in men and women who fear God. And if you don't vote, shame on you. Somebody bled out so that you could have that privilege. Somebody put their life on the line so you could have that privilege. And then we don't even think it's important enough to go vote. Go vote. And if you don't vote, don't say a word. But you have a responsibility to go and vote in God-fearing men and women that will lead our nation well, lead our, our cities well, lead our state well. And you might go, Mike, I don't know which one to vote for. They all claim whatever. Then find out. Do the research. Dig. And find out, hey, who is a God-fearing man? Who is a God-fearing woman? Because I promise you, they will lead differently. And our country, our nation, our city needs that. Let me just say this. Your family needs you to lead that way. They need you to lead with the fear of God. They need you to lead in that way. Look at what it says here in Deuteronomy. It says, And now, Israel, what does the Lord your God require of you? He requires only that you fear the Lord your God and live in a way that pleases Him and love Him and serve Him with all your heart and soul. What does that sound like? 
It sounds like the great commandment that Jesus said. Hey, they were trying to trap Jesus. Jesus, hey, what's the greatest commandment? He says to love the Lord your God with everything that's in you. To love Him with all your heart, your soul, all your strength, all your mind. To love Him with everything. Hey, hey listen, not only that, but to love your neighbor as yourself. And so that's, that's Jesus say, saying, hey, listen, this is the greatest commandment. And so we are to fear the Lord. We're to fear the Lord and to love Him with everything that's in Do what pleases Him. So wisdom is the beginning, but there's much more for us. Wisdom is the beginning. You know, like I said, we know lots of people that are educated. There's lots of people that have degrees. And there was a time whenever, and I'll be honest with you, I, I love education. And there was a time whenever higher education had a different value than it does now. Now it's a, it is almost a promotion of an agenda rather than education to where you might be able to go and make a difference. Now it's, hey, you need to line it with our agenda. And so I, I love higher education. I think it's important. But too often we have people that are educated, but they have no wisdom. They don't understand. There's no fear of God. If anything, they teach against it. Many of our colleges now, and it doesn't matter which one you pull for, have professors and teachers that literally teach against what we're talking about today. They teach against it. They promote everything they can to do away with it. And so the fear of God should keep us in His Word. The fear of God should keep us in His Word. You know, the fear that, hey, you know what, man, I don't want to miss God's plans. I don't want to miss God's will. I, don't, I want to know His good, pleasing, and perfect will. And so look at what it says in Psalm 25, 12 through 14. It says, Who are those who fear the Lord? He will show them the path they should choose. They will live in prosperity, and their children will inherit the land. The Lord is a friend to those who fear Him, and He teaches them His covenant. So God, literally, the Lord will teach us what to do. Now, some, some of y'all go, oh, prosperity, man, that's what I want. That's, that's this prosperity teaching that's out there. We think that's about stuff. Hey, if I do this, I'll get more stuff. It's not about that. It's about being blessed by God. And the greatest blessing that we can have in a relationship with God is peace and a right relationship with God. It's not about more stuff. More stuff just brings more stress. You know, and so we've got to say, God, you know, God, I desire you. And so who will fear the Lord? Let me ask you this. Do you fear the Lord? Do you fear the Lord? Because it's asking who will fear the Lord? Who will lean into Him? It says, that, it says the Lord is a friend to those who fear Him. He teaches them His covenant. And so there ought to be a fear of not spending time in God's Word. But many of us go, you know what, dude, I just ain't got time for it. Some of you, the only Word of God that you get is either here on Sunday morning or what you get on maybe a Christian radio station. Or maybe somebody sends you an email. But what, what, what if there was a, a fear of, you know what, I don't want to miss out on what God has for me today. Maybe there's a fear of, you know what, God, God wants to speak to me and He's told me and He's demonstrated and Jesus even modeled that He met with the Father daily, early before He met with anybody else. But yet we won't make time for that. So the fear is not on, you know, hey, that I'm out of sorts with God, but the fear is, hey, I might miss out. Hey, I might miss a few hours, a few winks of sleep. Hey, I might, I might, I might, I might. It's not about what God wants. So the fear of God should keep us in His Word. Here's the second thing. The fear of God should keep us from sin. If we're spending time in God's Word, then we know what is sin. And too often what we do is we just say, well, Mike, I didn't know that was wrong. Well, maybe you ought to get in God's Word. If you say, hey, well, I don't have a Bible, we'll give you one. We say that nearly every week. We'll give you a Bible. We'll put one in your hand. And so, so ignorance of the law is not an excuse, right? We say that in our, in our, in our, uh, our world around here, our legal system. But I'm just saying, we ought to find out, hey, what is God's Word? Spend time in it. It says, unfailing love and faithfulness make atonement for sin. By fearing the Lord, people avoid evil. 
By fearing the Lord, people avoid evil. So the fear of God will keep us from evil. Now, I don't know about you guys, but there was times growing up where I was told not to do certain things. And out of fear of punishment or a spanking or something being taken away, I would not do those things. There was times, you know, I, I, might, I might do something and, and uh, I'd be told, hey, listen, don't do this. And then there was times whenever I would do that. And then I would have a little bit of fear and trembling because, like, hey, I wonder if mom and dad's going to find out. And if they do find out, I would start thinking, about, hey, what are the consequences going to be? And I would start weighing those out. Did y'all ever do that? Y'all still do that? I'm just saying. But, all right, so here's the thing is we need to figure out, you know, there's certain things that keep me from doing that. Like, you know, I, I think about somebody walking up to the, you know, edge of a, a, maybe a lion cage, you know, and you go, you know, there's a sign that says, hey, don't, no, don't climb this fence and don't get in here. There's a fear in, for me of what that lion would do to me if I did that. But some people don't read that, you know what I'm saying, don't care. And so they would say, hey, listen, I'm going to climb over this fence because I want to pet that lion. He looks really nice and friendly and fluffy. And so they climb over and it bites them or the bear bites them or whatever. And you're thinking, man, what is wrong with you? Now, some of them may have mental illness. I don't know. Obviously they do. But I'm sitting there thinking, what in the world? And so out of fear of what that will do, if you ever watch what a lion does to a bone or to a piece of meat, and he wants to do that to you, man, I don't know about you, but I'm thinking, man, I'm not in. I don't want any of that. So fear would keep me from crossing that, that line. And there are certain things that we see happen. You know, even in our driving day to day, there are certain things that we know, man, if I do this, man, it could be lethal for me. It could be fatal for me. And so we, there are certain things that keep us from, from doing those things. And God's Word will teach you this is sin. Like that, that's from Proverbs. That's Proverbs 16, 6. The book of Proverbs. What is today? Today's the 21st, I think. All right, so... If you were to take today and you were to read Proverbs 21, and you begin to say, you know what, I'm going to try to apply these truths. Because here's the cool thing about the book of Proverbs. It is written as a father to his son, giving instruction. Because any loving dad does not want his son to endure hardships and heartaches, and to avoid pitfalls, and to avoid things that would ruin what God's, will, what God's plans are for him. And so here's the thing is what we do is, if we were to read Proverbs 21 today and we would say, hey, listen, I'm going to try to live this truth out, I'm going to apply. And then tomorrow you get up and you read Proverbs 22. What you're doing is you're reading the Word of God. You're seeking wisdom. You're asking God to literally to teach you, to guard your steps and to, to give you wisdom. And so the fear of God should keep us from sin. So much of Proverbs is how to avoid the pitfalls. Look at this next one here. The fear of God should motivate us to share our faith. The, the, the fear of God should motivate us to share our faith. That's what Jesus says here. He says, don't you have a saying? It's still four months until harvest. I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. They are ripe for harvest. They are ripe for harvest. And so what Jesus is saying, hey, listen, guys. Man, there's people that are going to miss an eternity in heaven with God. We have a message to share. We have a mission to fulfill. And so, uh, listen, I want you guys to understand, the fields are white and ready unto harvest. And so here's the thing, a fear of God ought to motivate me and you to share our faith. It ought to, it ought to motivate us. You know, th there's, there's times in my life whenever I felt like God gave me an opportunity to share with somebody and I didn't. And I'll go ahead and tell you, there's a part of me, I live in fear of, you know, what is God going to ask me when I stand before Him? Mike, why didn't you reach out to this guy? I gave you time and time again an opportunity. Why didn't you share with him? the hope that you have? Why didn't you share with him the plan of salvation? Why didn't you say, hey man, Jesus has saved me. He can save you. He can change you. He can heal you. Why didn't you say anything? And I, and I often wonder, you know, man, who am I missing? 
Who have I missed out on? I, I remember years ago, there was a guy that lived close to us. He lived just a couple of houses down. And I grew up roofing houses with my dad. And, and this guy worked with us. And, man, he was obnoxious. He, was, he got on my nerves. It was just one of those things over and over. He, and it's like he would, I, I just kind of avoided him as much as I could. And, and he had a little boy that, that lived with him. Him and his boy were laying down in the bed. And he fell asleep one night with a cigarette in his mouth. And it caught that house on fire. And him and his little boy burned up. And, man, let me tell you, I bawled my eyes out for about a week. How many times was I given an opportunity to share the gospel with him and I don't know where he stood? See, some of you have people that live in your home. You have family members. You have sisters, brothers, aunts, uncles, moms, dads. That you, You're probably pretty confident if they were to die right now, they'd bust hell wide open. And we're too busy and we're too afraid of what might happen or what they might say to share the gospel. See, Jesus said the fields are ripe and ready unto harvest. So why is it that churches are not evangelistic anymore? That we don't take this message of hope and this message of life change to the world? Now, we'll invite them to church. That's a good thing. And I promise you, I'll do everything I can every week to present the gospel of Jesus Christ. But you have a responsibility. And here's my thing is, I will stand before God and give an account one day of everything I have said and done. That's why, with a little bit of fear and trembling, I put together messages. Going, God, I hope I say what you want me to say. God, I hope I do what you want me to do. God, and I pray every week, God, strike from my mouth what you don't want said. God, I want your words put in me. And so let me ask you this. Do you ever pray, God, give me words to say to my aunt, to my uncle, my brother, my sister, to my neighbor, to my coworker, who I feel pretty confident is not a believer. So, God, I'm asking you to give me the words. Give me the, the way to say it, to present the truth of the gospel. See, the fear of the Lord should motivate us to share our faith. Not just hope that they get saved, but beg with them, plead with them. As Paul said, we, we do everything we can to persuade them to put their faith in Christ. I've heard people say so many times, well, Mike, you know, I just don't want to push them away from God. They already are there. And we're like, well, I don't want to offend them. Hey, the gospel is offensive. We're telling someone, hey, listen, Jesus is the only way to heaven. It's, it's one of the statements that Jesus made that a lot of people don't like. You know what? He's Jesus. We're not. He's God. We're not. And we've got to be willing to say, you know what? I need to be sharing my faith. I need to be telling others about Christ. And it's not just about bringing them to church and hope that it, you know, they catch on. But it's about presenting the truth of the gospel. The fear of God should affect our worship. Everything we do as believers. If you're a believer in this room, everything you do is an act of worship. Everything we do. And so too often what we do is we, we try to equate worship to it's the singing part of the service. I heard someone say this past week, man, I wish we did more song and more worship in our services. And I'm like, do you know what worship is? Do you understand what worship is? Worship is how you live. Worship is, is how you treat people. Worship is, is the teaching of God's Word. Worship is singing songs of praise. Worship is lifting holy hands unto the Lord. Worship is a lot more than just a bunch of songs. Writing a song is worship. And so too often what we equate is, hey, worship is this 20 or 30 minute period in a service. That's worship. No, worship is how you live. So the fear of God should affect our worship. Look at, what, look at Isaiah here. It says it was, in the king, it was in the year of King Uzziah that he died that I saw the Lord. He was sitting on a lofty throne and the train of his robe filled the temple. Attending him were mighty seraphim. Each having six wings, with two they covered their, their faces, and with two they covered their feet, 
and with two they flew. And they were calling out to each other, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of heaven's armies. The whole earth is filled with His glory. Their voices shook the temple to its foundations, and the entire building was filled with smoke. And then I said, It's all over. I'm doomed, for I am a sinful man. I have filthy lips, and I live among a people with filthy lips. Yet I have seen the King, the Lord of heaven's armies. What a beautiful picture. And so here's what Isaiah is saying. He said, listen, you know, man, I I saw the Lord high and lifted up. And so whenever we enter into worship, it ought to be, you know what, this is something special that we get to do corporately. Even if you're sitting on your back porch or if you're sitting somewhere and you've got a worship moment, realize, you know what, man, this is a powerful moment. We're worshiping the one true king. This is the, the king of the Lord's army right here. This is a powerful time. And so we see the seraphim, you know, they, were, they didn't have sin. So you would think, well, they shouldn't have anything to be afraid of. It says they covered their, their faces with two because of the holiness of God. They couldn't even look upon Him. I think back to Moses who said, let me hide my face in the cleft of the rock. And Father, if you will, just pass by so I can at least kind of look at the backside of you. There was such a reverent, holy, powerful fear of who He was. We just treat Him like He's our homie. We come into worship kind of like, I got to. This is part of it. Show up late. More worried about what you look like than how your heart looks to God today. Kind of show up, just kind of go through the motions, kind of do the the religious thing, the social thing. But Isaiah says, it is all over. I am doomed. The holiness of God, the power of God, the presence of God overwhelmed him, convicted him. He wasn't okay with a nasty mouth. He wasn't okay with filthy lips. He was broken over it. He, was, he knew, I can't continue to live like this. And if you're going to read it, it says that they came and they take a cold and they place it on his lips and he's redeemed, by, again, by what? By the power of God. And so here's the thing is, our worship, it ought to be in awe. That when we come in here, man, and we realize we're singing these songs to God, man, we're, we're lifting up holy hands unto the Lord. We're bringing back praise, a sacrifice of praise. It ought to be in awe of who He is. Blown away by His power and His authority, His glory. And here's the last one. It says the fear of God should motivate us to invest in God's kingdom. The fear of God should motivate us to invest in God's kingdom. We believe in the kingdom. We believe in the gospel. We believe in missions. We believe in the church. And so here's the thing. Jesus came to to, to literally make the way right, to make a way for us to be in right standing with God. Jesus commissioned the, the disciples, the church. He said, hey, listen, guys, this is your mission. Go and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. He goes, and I will be with you until the end of the age. So we have a mission. And so here's the thing, the fear of God and the fear that Jesus said, hey, listen, you need to be about this, should motivate us. I remember a lady one time, we had just started the church, it was the first year of the church, and she called me, she said, Pastor Mike, I need to bring my, my tithe by, and I said, I said, okay, I said, well, you can bring it by the church office, and she goes, I need to go ahead and get it there today. And I said, well, you can bring it Sunday if you want to. She goes, no, 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 she goes, I want it out of my house, because I just know my, my washing machine's going to break down, or my, my, my clothes, clothes dryer's going to burn up, or something like that, and I'm like... I don't think God works that way. I said, but if, it, if it's that big of a deal to you, you can bring it by the church office. We'll take care of it. 
And, and so for her, it was a fear. Hey, God has told me to return his tithe, and I want to make sure that I'm obedient. And I'm like, man, that's pretty awesome. Now, some of you are like, that's over the top. But the thing is, is some of us don't fear God when it comes to the tithe. We, just, we look at it as extra income. And the Bible teaches us that the tithe is the Lord's. It's His, and if we keep it, it, we're stealing, we're thieves. And so we're more concerned with keeping up with the Joneses, and we're more concerned with having what we want than we are with returning God's tithe. And He says if we'll return that tithe, He will bless all the rest of it, and we'll have so much we won't even have room to store it. But too often what we do is we're more worried about not fitting in and not having what we want. That's the fear rather than the fear of the Lord. Look at what it says here. It says, You must set aside a tithe of your crops, one-tenth of all the crops you harvest each year. Bring this tithe to the designated place of worship, the place the Lord your God chooses for His name to be honored. Dropping on that, it says, Doing this will teach you always to fear the Lord your God. See, we think, well, I don't want to give money out of fear. God's Word says it's okay. Well, a lot of times we say, well, I want it to be an act of worship. That's what he just said it was. He said, bring it where his name is going to be honored. And, and that's worship. Bring it to where his name is going to be honored. And so he's saying, hey, listen, it's okay to live in fear of that. The main thing is just be obedient. Just do it. Just trust me. Lean into me. Realize that I am God. I own everything. I can handle it. And so too often what we do is we go, I'm afraid of not being able to pay this bill. I'm afraid of that. Instead, we're not afraid of God. Look at this last passage here. It says, Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Some people say, well, are you having to earn your salvation? No, you're living it out. Man, and you do it with a little bit of fear and trembling. God, I hope I'm saying the right thing. God, I hope I'm doing the right things. You might say, well, Mike, I don't, I don't want to live on eggshells. If God is the one who says, hey, live in fear, then I'm going to live in fear. I'm going to walk that way. I'm going to walk in a way that honors Him. You know, in just a few weeks, we, we do something. We call it the Celebrate the Miracles. And so Celebrate the Miracles will be the first part of December. We do it every year. And we celebrate what God has done in this past year. And then we celebrate what God is doing now. And then we celebrate what God has in store for us. And let me just tell you, God is doing some amazing things in the hearts and lives of the people of Journey Church. And there's some great things that even, even this past week we've been in conversation about that might happen. They were sitting there going, you know, God, you're doing some awesome stuff. God, thank you that we get to be a part of this. And we do. We see it as a privilege to be a part of all that God is doing here. There's, there's some ladies that are on retreats this weekend that, man, they're drawing close to God. There's marriages that are being saved. There's marriages that are being poured into. There's lives that are being changed. And so it's exciting to see what God is doing. And so we want to celebrate that. And one of the things that we do in that in that, in that service, is we do what we call the Big Give Offering. And the Big Give Offering, let me just say this again, it's not the tithe. That's God's. And so the Big Give Offering is what we give above and beyond the tithe. So it's a sacrificial gift that goes towards missions. That whole offering will go towards missions for next year for us as a church. And so here's the thing. Is we, believe, we believe in missions. We believe in the Great Commission in such a way that we say, you know what, the tithe is going to take care of the in-house type stuff. But when it comes to missions, we want to be willing to give sacrificially because we believe that the fields are white and ready unto harvest. They're filled with people who don't know Christ. And so we want to do everything we can to reach those who are far from God. So that big give offering is literally saying, you know what? God, I fear 
what would happen to people. And so I'm going to invest in the kingdom of God. Not only by returning your tribe, God, I'm going to give above and beyond. That's where blessings are just multiplied. And so let's work in that, work in that out. Working out our salvation with fear and trembling. And so Jesus, God loves, loves us. There's no doubt about that. He cares about us. But He also disciplines those He loves. So here's a couple of next steps for me today. Number one is I confess that I've been living in fear to the wrong things. If that's you, maybe today you just say, you know what, I have. God, I confess to you, I've been living in fear to the wrong things. I've been fear, hey, will I have enough for retirement? I've been living in fear of, hey, will the people around me, you know, will they accept me? I've been living in fear of, hey, what if I say the wrong thing and this person doesn't give their life to Christ? You know, and so I haven't been sharing my faith. And so it's an opportunity for us to literally come clean with God and say, God, I want to confess to you, this has been sin in my life. And I want to ask you to forgive me. God, I have been fearing the wrong things. And God, I want to fear you. I want a healthy fear, a reverent fear, an honoring fear, an awe-inspiring fear. God, that I realize who you are, that you spoke all things into existence, and you are God and I'm not. But God, I consider it a privilege that you have allowed me to be a part of your family. And I want to live in a way that honors you. Look at the last one there. I choose today to line up with God's Word and fear the Lord. Maybe up until this point, you didn't know. Well, now you do. Maybe you didn't know. Hey, I didn't know I was supposed to fear God like that. All I've heard is love, love, love. I didn't know there's supposed to be fear. It's both. It's a healthy balance of both. Maybe you say, you know, Mike, I, I agree. You know, I confess that I have not been living that way. And maybe your focus is on you know, the, the worldly things more than it is on the godly things. Just say, hey, today, God, I confess that. I want to quit living that way. I want to live for you. That's repentance. So here's what I love. Our God is a loving God. He is a forgiving God. You confess your sins. He is faithful and just and will forgive us of all unrighteousness. And so if, if we believe that this God is loving and He is forgiving, He is also redeeming. He'll redeem what the locust has stolen. He'll redeem what we have lost. He is a redeeming God. He is a healing God. He is a powerful God. But here's the thing. We need to keep in mind who He is and what He is capable of. And we ought to live in such a way that we want to honor Him and glorify Him every step of every day. Not just on Sunday mornings for about a one-hour service, but we say, God, I want want my life to be worshipped to You. He is an awesome God. He wants a relationship with you. He wants to work in you, through you, to spread the gospel. He wants to use you as a blessing in the lives of others. He cares about you. I want to ask you just to bow your heads and close your eyes and I want to ask you this question. Do you know God? Do you have a personal relationship with God through His Son, Jesus Christ? Have you put your faith in Him? Are you a child of God? If you've never put your faith in Christ, I want to give you that opportunity today. Maybe you realize for the very first time, I realize I need a relationship with God through Jesus. That's your need. See, my prayer is the Holy Spirit's going to reveal what your need is. And if you say, Mike, that's me. 
I need a relationship with God through Jesus. I want to ask you, if you would, just to raise your hand. Anybody in the room, say, Mike, that's me. I need Jesus. Okay, see your hand. Anybody else? Say, Mike, I need, I need to ask Jesus to come into my life. I want Him to save me. Anybody else? I see your hand. Anybody else? I see your hand back there. Anybody else? Say, Mike, I need, I need Jesus. I need God in my life. Anybody else? He wants you. He loves you. If you just raise your hand, I want to lead you to a simple prayer. It's the prayer of salvation. But here's the thing, it's a surrender of the heart. So if, you're, if you pray this prayer, it just has to be your prayer. You're taking ownership of it. And so I want to lead you through this prayer, and you just pray this prayer in your heart of hearts. You just pray this to God and say, God, I want to ask you to forgive me. Jesus, I want to ask you to save me. Jesus, I want to ask you to come into my life and change me. You just want to ask you to, to redeem me. You just want to ask you to fill me with the Holy Spirit. Jesus, with all the faith that I have, I believe that you can. And so when we confess our sins, He is faithful and just and will forgive us of all unrighteousness. And here's the thing, is when we turn to Him, when we repent, that repentance, man, there's no forgiveness. There's no rep- uh, forgiveness unless there's repentance. And so when we turn to Him, He embraces us. He adopts us into His family. He makes us a child of God. I'm proud of you guys for raising your hand. But here's the crazy thing. Heaven is rejoicing that you have placed your faith in Him. It says that all the angels, everything in heaven is rejoicing that you've made that decision. There's a lot of believers in this room. And many of you, maybe you've lived and maybe you've drifted and you've got to the point where there's no real fear of God. You need to ask God, to forgive you. you. need to confess that as sin. Repent. Maybe you haven't been living in any fear of all, at all of Him. Maybe you've kind of bought into the world's teaching. Maybe, maybe, maybe your fears are somewhere else. And we're going to be talking over the next three weeks some of the things that we live in fear of that we shouldn't be living in fear of. And so I want to encourage you today, hey, just confess it to God hey, and repent of it and He will forgive you. Father, I thank You for meeting with us today. God, I thank you that everything that we read about you, God, just blows our mind as who you are and how powerful you are. But yet, God, you care about the decision that these three made today that raised their hand, that all of heaven would celebrate that decision. God, you care about the other decisions we make, how we'll treat people today, how we'll speak. God, how we'll we'll serve. God, I pray that our commitment to you would be reflected in just our attendance here at church. And whether or not we are serving. God, I pray that we would fear you and seek to honor you, to love you, to revere you. God, thank you for your love for us. And God, teach us more about you from your word. In Jesus' name, amen.